0: Good morning, welcome to Laurel Heights where we promise preaching and teaching from the text of Scripture. And I want to begin this morning with 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15. We often have visitors, especially this time of year. If you haven't filled out a visitor's card, though that is not required, it is appreciated. It enables us to stay in touch with you and let you know of various events and announcements that pertain to our work. We also invite you to visit our website, lhmacallen.org, with information about our services, sermon recordings, podcast, and a link where you can contact us. Let me tell you what I'm going to do next Sunday morning. What the Bible says about and to grandparents. I think I'm looking at several, and I think there are people out there who have grandparents, and I am convinced that all of us need to know whatever the Bible says about relationships. Next Sunday morning, what the Bible says about and to grandparents. This morning, 2 Timothy 2, verse 15, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Some of you have the King James, and it will say, Study to show thyself approved. And then after that, there will be the phrase, rightly dividing the word of truth. And some of you have the New International Version. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Paul was writing to Timothy. In Timothy's life... And in his work, preaching and teaching, Paul simply says to him, do your best. Your aim is to be approved by God, never ashamed. And this means you must handle the word of God in the right manner. As it reads in the NIV, correctly handle the word of truth. That's my subject today. Care. Care. In the way we handle the word of truth, the Bible. God has given us his word to be read, to be studied, to be respected, to be preached, to be remembered, to be lived. But our use of God's word is not like some habit that becomes a mindless routine See, there is no other book we read, no other book we study like the Bible in the authority and the power it contains for spiritual life and death. In its ability to frankly address the evils that we observe all around us on the earth and to steer us in the other direction. The Bible tells us who we are, who made us, where we are to go and how we are to get there there's no other book like it i read this the other day john quincy adams so great is my veneration for the bible that the earlier my children begin to read it the more confident will be my hopes that they will prove useful citizens to their country respectable members of society and obedient to the creator i think he nailed it now you may be careless in handling a newspaper or not remember what you read on the digital news feed you may get that all mixed up sometimes You may pay only scant attention to stories and reports on social media. In our homes, the TV may be on most of the time, even blaring, but we're not paying attention. But when we open this book, and when we see and hear words God has given, there must be the highest care in our efforts to understand and use these words in life see the Bible is not a magical book where you open to a book and you find a verse and phrase that sounds good and you just say that verse over and over and share it with a couple of people on Facebook and expect miracles to occur it's not that kind of book There is no easy formula you can memorize that when spoken just suddenly makes everything good again in your life. You have to read it and study it and use it day by day and reverence the God who gave it. Paul said in Ephesians 3 and verse 4, When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ. We have to read this book which is one of our stated goals this year. We love God by reading what He said. We have to patiently read it in context, discover what it meant, and then consider how it applies, and then apply it. Paul said to Timothy, Do your best in harmony with that. And our text in 2 Timothy 2.15, rightly dividing the word of truth, correctly handling the word of truth, in the interest of that, I want to point out this morning three common violations. I'm going to throw some flags. Three common violations of our use of Scripture. And then I'll conclude with a passage about the rich positive value of what God has revealed. Three common violations. Number one, the desire before the discovery. Here's what I mean. If you start out wanting the Bible to say something, it is almost certain you will find it or think you have found it. Consider a person who really hasn't read the Bible much, really not too familiar with what the overall message is, unclear about the big picture, having spent almost no quality time with the text of Scripture, and so the Bible is used more as a collection of quotations. And a person in this frame of mind and background with no balanced scope of Bible knowledge, nevertheless... Wants to use the Bible to prove something. And so they latch on to some idea that they like a lot. And the attitude begins to develop. I know that must be in the Bible. It's got to be there somewhere. They really want to find this in the Bible. And they want to find it quickly. And they tell themselves, I know it has to be there. I really want to find a verse that says this. I'm going to call that the desire before the discovery. You have decided what you want to find, and then you go in search of a verse that you think says what you want to find. That's the desire before the discovery. Ask any scientist if that method is objective. Or imagine a weatherman. His TV listeners keep writing in saying the weather is cold and wet, foggy. And he wants to make them happy, the weatherman. So he looks at the radar and the equipment and the weather patterns and he's determined to find sunshine and warm weather and bring it to the area. But he can't do that. He can only report objectively what is actually there. So, I'm going to throw a flag on the play. Objectivity violation. Objectivity violation. When you put desire before discovery, you're not being objective with Scripture, you're not handling correctly the word of truth. If you already know what you want the Bible to say before you open the book, it's likely you're going to find something you think says that. What's missing is objectivity. God never said, here is a book of stories and words and sentences and verses and narratives, and they're not really connected. You can just turn it into whatever you want. No. Look with me as an example, Matthew seven, verse one. Matthew seven, verse one. It's part of the Sermon on the Mount, and there are many people in the world who know little else about the Bible. Maybe they've not read the entire Sermon on the Mount at all, but they know two words: "Judge not." Such a relief to find exactly what they wanted to find. The conclusion then is quickly asserted that you cannot judge me or criticize me for anything I've done against the will of God, no matter how ungodly, because it says right here in the book, I've got it. The two words are judge not. So leave me alone. Don't talk to me about any gospel and repentance and changing. Judge not. This is what many want. The Bible to say desire comes first and then they discover two words, ignore the context and everything else the Bible says that is related. We're not going to do that this morning. Matthew 7, 1 through 5. Judge not that you be not judged for with the judgment you pronounce you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there's a log in your own eye, you hypocrite? First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly, too, take the speck out of your brother's eye. Jesus said... After you remove the log from your own eye, you can better see to help your brother get the speck out of his eye. And by the way, down in verse 15, he said, beware of false prophets. And in verse 20, he said, you will recognize them by their fruit. In John 7, 24, Jesus said, we are required to engage in righteous judgment. We are to rebuke and discipline and help sinners see their sin and error. If we love them, we'll do that. Like Paul who rebuked Peter. Aquila and Priscilla who taught Apollos. Peter who corrected Simon in Acts 8. The two words, judge not, are not just two words given to comfort people in their sin who don't want to be corrected. Jesus is not condemning All constructive criticism or rebuke of sin. He is saying, don't be a hypocrite about it. Don't do it this way. Do it this way. That's context. When desire comes before discovery, we are not handling a right, the word of truth. Here's something connected to our Bible class this morning. Another violation, the old instead of the new. Just this morning in the adult Bible class, we were going through the eighth chapter of Hebrews where the writer quotes Jeremiah. See, God told Jeremiah long before Jesus came that there would be a new covenant a better way to access God, the final way to access God, different from the old. In Hebrews chapter 8, I'm going to begin reading at verse 8. Behold, the days are coming. This is the quotation from Jeremiah 31. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers... On the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. For they did not continue in my covenant. So I showed no concern for them declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days declares the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds. And write them on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach Each one his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest. For I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. And then the writer adds, after the quotation from Jeremiah, In speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. So in the light of this and everything else for example in Romans and Galatians and even in the book of Acts if someone wants to reinstitute if someone wants to reinstitute the sabbath if somebody wants to go get animals and burn animals on altars or attempt to reinstate the priesthood of Levi of the Old Testament my question is are they handling aright the word of truth? It is a covenant violation. I'm going to call it a covenant violation. And there's one more text I should like to read from the book of Acts. In the book of Acts chapter 13, 38 and 39, please. Acts 13, 38, and 39. In a sermon it was said, Let it be known to you therefore, brothers, that through this man, Jesus, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you, and by him everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. I said in a recent Bible class in the Hebrew letter. Think of the old law as preparatory and incomplete, but made complete by Christ and the new covenant. What the law could not do, Christ does providing access to God. He is the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. We need to be careful the way we use this book. One more. I'll call this the sentence without the paragraph. The sentence without the paragraph. Philippians 4 and verse 13. You heard this that Michael read this morning, and you've all heard it before. Maybe quoted this many times. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. If I just take this single statement, paying no attention to the context, and without the guidance of anything else in the New Testament, I might think I can do anything I want. And Christ will give me the strength to do it. Anything I want to do, Christ will strengthen me to do it. It says all things. I can do all things. I'm going to read that. Anything I want to do through Him who strengthens me. Did you hear about the man out on the East Coast? I think it was North Carolina a few years ago, but I would not want to make a statement of prejudice against any state. Somewhere in the East Coast, this guy robbed a bank at gunpoint. And as he exited the bank, the security camera got the video on the back of his t-shirt. And guess what it said? I can do all things through Christ. But did you hear what the judge said? Judge said, no, you can't do that. And then the judge actually said, if the law allowed it, young man... I would add to your penalty for wearing that shirt. Christ doesn't strengthen people to steal. So I'm going to call this a context violation. And here's what you do when you hear this misuse of the verse. Take people to the context. Say, let's open to Philippians 4. And let's answer two questions. Just two. Who does Christ strengthen, and what does he strengthen them to do? See, that'll get to the heart of the matter. Well, when you look in Philippians chapter 4, verse 1, what people are identified? Those who stand firm in the Lord. If you go rob a bank, you're not standing firm in the Lord. But those are the people identified in chapter 4, verse 1. Who does Christ strengthen, verse 3 says, fellow workers with the Lord, whose names are written in the book of life? Who does he strengthen, verse 8 says, those who have their mind in the right places, focused on what is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, and commendable? Christ doesn't strengthen anybody to do anything they want. He strengthens his followers to do what he wants. Verse 9, Paul said, What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. As we become engaged according to what the apostles taught, we are strengthened by Christ to do what the apostles said Christ wants us to do not robbing banks. 2 Timothy 2:15 Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved a worker who has no need to be ashamed handling rightly the word of truth. <coughs> we are not people who just reach into the Bible and pull something out and use it for what we want, are we? That's not handling correctly the word of truth. What is the context of that verse? What did it mean when it was first written? We need to exercise care and take our time and apply good discipline with prayer. Every time we open this book, being careful about misappropriating parts of Scripture without the background of good, disciplined, overall Bible knowledge that you gain through daily Bible reading, coming to hear preaching from the book, and participating in Bible classes. And taking your kids to Bible classes. So that they learn what the book says. I want to close by reading from Psalms 119. I've had a lot to say about what we ought not to do with Scripture. So I want to close here in Psalms 119 verses 1 to 16. Blessed are those whose way is blameless. I shall not be put to shame. Having my eyes fixed on all your commandments, I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. How shall a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wonder from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches." I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways I will delight in your statutes I will not forget your word when I open the Bible who am I dealing with the author blessed are you O Lord teach me your statutes In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches and so. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, handling rightly the word of truth. Let's be standing as we sing. (coughs) The the sympathizing Jesus he speaks